I'm Gab. He's Don. No Jules today, but don't worry, Jules fans. He's going to be back. Uh, blue skies over uh, over West London. <clears throat> Don, people say, oh, the season's over. What are you going to talk about? Oh, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Jude Bellingham's deal to Real Madrid is done. Gone. The Nations League. Uh, Croatia against Holland. It was a tremendous Nations. game last night. Less so, of course, if you're Dutch. But what a joy it was to see, uh, to see uh, Luka Modric out there. Oh. Great fans. Great atmosphere uh, as well. But there's an even bigger story, and that's where we're going to start. Kylian Mbappe. So let me give a bit of a, a rewind, like you do on soap operas, where they tell you kind of a what happened rewind? previously. Yeah. yeah. 2021, um, he had a year left on his contract with uh, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, mm-hmm. and he basically wasn't extending his contract. And so Paris Saint-Germain, I, and so other clubs circling around him, so they figured, well, Paris Saint-Germain won't want to leave him on a free transfer the mm-hmm. following summer. Um, so Real Madrid came in with a massive offer late in the transfer Put window. Loads of work in. A ton of work, yeah. They spent a lot on this, talking with with his family, with his mom, with his lawyer. 180 million is the figure I understand. Some have it even higher. Paris Saint-Germain say, no. Uh, and so we all thought, okay, he, Mbappe must be annoyed, mm-hmm. and he's going to leave the next summer in a free transfer. I even said at the time, this is great for Real Madrid, because yeah. rather than giving 180 million to, yeah, exactly, you can go spend somebody else, right? We all thought it was heading that way. And then, bombshell, May 2022, what does he do? He announces that he's, exactly, he announces he's extending his deal with Paris Saint-Germain. And uh, you, the Paris Saint-Germain put out pictures of him holding the shirt that said 2025. Well, it wasn't really 2025. As we told you at the time, it was a two-plus-one deal. It was a two-year uh, commitment. Yep. And then he had the option for, for, a, third de- uh, for a third year. Yep. Um, at that point... He had the leverage once again. Yeah. A year has passed, which means he's got a year left on his contract. And he has let it be known that he's not going to take up that option year, which means he's going to become a free agent in June of 2024. Yeah. Which means from Paris Saint-Germain's perspective, you either lose him for nothing. Can't happen. Or you sell him now. And you think can't happen. I can't imagine. I can't imagine PSG will allow, uh, even though he's under contract, Kylian Mbappe to make all this noise, stay for one more year, then go on a free transfer. I can't imagine that gap. The money that would be involved, I mean, I don't know what the figures might be, 100 million pound, 150, if they sign well, him if now. it was 180 two years ago, it's not like he's gotten worse. No, exactly. But I mean, because of, of the time left on the contract, obviously the closer it runs down to a free. But it was a year left two years true, ago as well. Of true, true. Um, but I think I think if you're Kylian Mbappe now, you're you're saying the right things. I think you've got all the aces. I think even Real Madrid can sit back now and go, well, you know, do we need to chase you again? They've chased him since he was 11. You know, they've chased this guy forever. It feels like inevitable he will sign for Real Madrid. That has to be the next move for him, to be that Galactico main name, even though Bellingham's in there and Vinny Jr.'s in there and all the young players that they've got. He goes in there, he changes the dynamics, I think, of everyone in world football going, wow. Real Madrid are back. But how do they do at Real Madrid? Do they stay patient? I think they have to. Well, well they stayed patient two years ago, right? And then what happened? He ended up extending his so deal. So he burned them. So he but burned I, them. But I thought, but I thought yeah, but I, 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 even, though it would have, even though he did burn them and he would have caused a lot of drama and a lot of stress Mbappe not going to Real Madrid because of the work, as you said, that they put in to sign him, I still think when he comes back up for sale again, I think there would no way Real Madrid would turn him down. You can't. Best player in the world. So you think Paris Saint-Germain now are are saying, all right, we're not going to try to extend him like we did last Un- time? Unless, unless money is literally no object and they say, we don't care if we lose you on the free, but you are staying, which makes no business sense to me. But 
the well, they've saved themselves a ton of money, obviously, because Lionel Messi is no longer there. But everything there seems to be falling apart, doesn't it? Messi going, Neymar's probably going to be on his way, Mbappe inevitably going to go to Real Madrid. It feels like PSG, no wonder Jules is off, it feels like PSG is <laughs> just going to collapse. Um, you say everything's going. Um, at the same time, though, you know, this, is, this is the team that had the, they had the highest wage bill in Europe. There is a pathway for Paris Saint-Germain to, to rebuild with young French talent. I think yeah. that's what we're going to hear more and more of. From Real Madrid's perspective, what would concern me is you can get a commitment from him, but presumably they had a verbal commitment from him and his people before. Mm. At some point, you want to get this locked up because yeah. he may be a Real Madrid fan and may say, I want to play for Real Madrid one day. Mm-hmm. There's other big clubs in Europe. But Benzema started this, hasn't he? No one saw Benzema leaving a couple of weeks ago. So Benzema going to, 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 to Saudi has more or less made Real Madrid think about killing Mbappe again. All right, Dan, let's go back to this point. You said Paris Saint-Germain have to sell him if he's not going to extend. In my naive business world, they can't well, afford to lose him on a free. That was well, a- that's very loose. They can't afford to lose him on a free. Well, but it doesn't make any sense to lose him on a free. Well, that was exactly the situation they were in two years ago, right? When they turned down that 180 million from Real Madrid at the end of the transfer window. Yeah. Um, I can only assume that they were super confident that he was going to extend and, and whatever else. But I think it's worth reminding everybody that the player controls the situation. Definitely. The days when, and there was a time when I think players could be bought and sold like cattle and they mm-hmm. didn't control their future. Yeah. Right? Mbappe has to say yes and sign a new deal to any team they move no. to. So it's not like it's not like Paris Saint-Germain can sell him somewhere he doesn't want to go. So Paris Saint-Germain can reach a deal with Real Madrid. Yeah, and the player can say, no, I'm not coming. Well, if there's a transfer fee involved, yeah. I mean, you were a player, right? Yeah, of course. If they, if they said to you, like... Well, the right, dynamics like- were different because the players have got all the cards and the aces these days because they've got millions and millions of pounds in the bank where they can turn around and go, well, I'm not going. Even though you've agreed a fee, Real Madrid have agreed a fee with Paris Saint-Germain, I'm not going. I'm going to make sure I go in a free. Whereas so in they, my day, you didn't have the money in the bank, so you didn't really have any leverage. But here's the thing. Um, let's say Real Madrid offer $200 million or whatever right yeah. now, right? Okay. And let's say it's then $50 million a year for Mbappe. Yeah. If Mbappe waits a year at Paris Saint-Germain, yeah. Real Madrid don't have to pay the $200 million. Nope. And a big chunk of that 200 million can go to Mbappe. Exactly. That's that's, that's the beauty of free agency. Of course. That's, right? that's yeah. Uh, so he controls all the cards here. He yeah. has all the leverage in this situation. Where it's not great for Paris Saint Germain is if, say, Killian turns around and says, "Well, whatever happens between Real Madrid and Paris Saint Germain in terms of a fee, I am not going." So therefore, does his quality of appearance deteriorate? Does he... What do you mean by quality of appearance? Well, let's... Like let, how let's, handsome he is? No, 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 let, no. Let's just say you get to, I don't know, Feb, March, and it's tough for PSG. And does Kylian Mbappe know he's going on a free transfer in three months' time, risk going in for that tackle where you could get an ACL? You could get a really bad injury. You could right. get, get a shocker. So that's what comes into my brain because that's how we worked as so, players because we didn't have the money. So you're never quite sure on the level of performance from any individual once they're running their contract down. Right. That's what PSG I, would be afraid of if he down tools. I, I love the concept of Dodd saying, like, 
Premier League players 20 years ago didn't have the money. And then you know, you know there's an older guy 20 years oh, before that saying, like, well, we didn't have the well, money. And course. then, you know, like in Stevie Nichols' day, well, we really didn't have the money. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, but, we, but <laughs> yeah. we've not got, we've not got, we've not got 50 or 100 million pound in the bank to turn around and go, yeah, I'm staying where I want. I'm not going. Um, well, I would assume the way with this would have to work is January 1st, Mbappe can sign with anybody. Yeah. You would have to work something out. I mean, if, if I were Mbappe, you couldn't leave it. You couldn't play the game you played last time where he leaves it till May. Yeah. Unless you were actively trying to tease out. If I'm Real Madrid... I don't think he goes on a free gap. I can't see it. I can't see PSG saying to Kylian Mbappe through the last season because it's going to be a circus it's going to be a drama he's going to be in the news every single day he's going to be front back centre of newspapers every single day Killian's got 10 months left Killian's got 9 Killian's got 8 all well, of a sudden he's got weeks but, but, but that's why January 1st if he signs a contract it knocks it on the head I don't think it gets that far do you? Well, my difficulty is I mean if you're Real Madrid you're, you're in an amazing position you can say we're just going to by the way you, you do what you want Killian. We've chased you for a long time. We're just going to sit back. We're just going to sit here and you can come to us whether we pay PSG £100 million because, do you know what? We're not bothered because we'll wait a year and we'll take you on a free transfer. If he still wants to come. And that's why, if I were Real Madrid, I would not want to get sucked into this. I would no. not negotiate with Paris Saint-Germain. No. I, would, I would say, Killian, this is the contract we have for you and yeah. you'll make a ton of money. Um... You need to sign it January 1st. Yeah. If you don't sign it January 1st, that contract's off the table. And then we can revisit this if you actually do reach free agency in the summer. Mm. But we're not going to think about you beyond that. We're certainly not going to go and give money nope. to... Remember, the relationship as well between Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain is, is terrible right yeah. now for many different reasons. Um, it's certainly an interesting one. Do you see anybody else? Um, coming in? Not really. I mean, I know he's got a sauce spot for, for Liverpool um, I think traditionally I think he, if they were super wealthy they could make moves but I don't think so you've just seen them pull out the move of Jude Bellingham because they can't afford it how they're going to afford Kylian Mbappe no Man City yes to play under Pep would be a big attraction seeing them Riyad Mahrez could be leaving well, there's, so. there'd be quite a few yeah <laughs> did you uh, see that I was no, curious I, about that I don't that. see any other move than Real Madrid as a, as a Real Madrid fan he was or probably still is pictures of all the greats on his walls wanting to wear that shirt where it would take them to a whole new level PSG's PSG an amazing football club different totally different they've tried to go the Galactica route in a hurry and it's not worked the only club I can envision him playing for is Real Madrid it's the only he, one the problem is he doesn't want to play for the middle because Benzema's changed everything well we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to that issue but I wanted to on a more f simple footballing aspect right what we've seen from Kylian Mbappe at Paris Saint-Germain but frankly, also with France as well at the World Cup, is he's not really part of the collective. The way he played, I mean, we've seen him early in the career. He was pressing, he was working, you know, he was very much part of the unit yeah. at the World Cup. And look, it's not a criticism, obviously. No. You know, he scored, a, scored some goals in the final and it worked out. He was kind of the guy who was just hanging out up the pitch. Moments. Moments waiting for the ball, scoring, and whatever. You know, he's kind of doing it 22, what Messi does at 35, right? Yeah. Um, does that fit a Pep system? Would it be the kind of thing where Pep would have to say, or even a Klopp system? Mm. So I guess what I'm driving at, in these situations where you have managers who have systems and, and whatever else, I mean, mm. certainly in Manchester City, everybody's required 
to go and do X amount of yeah. defensive work. See, if, if, you, it's all about- if you're playing fantasy football, he fits anyone, doesn't he? But they've done a hundred million on Jack Grealish, who's been really good this season. And I know but not, he was another soloist. Yeah, I, I'm, he, I, he I'm was not a solo comparing. player, yeah. and now he's in an orchestra. If you want to yeah. use that lame analogy, I'm not comparing the two players. Right, but that's where you start playing fantasy football, and you go, "Well, Kylian Mbappe, if you if you if you sold Jack Grealish, yeah, he plays off the left hand side. Of course, he's a better player. Even Jack Grealish, even in his state in the last three days, to hold his hands up and say, "Yeah, I think Mbappe's." A yeah, little no, but better. forget who's better. But I'm asking you. Comes into can you fit into anyone? Anyone so you, you think you so well, I guess this is what I'm going to drive. Anyone. If you're Pep or Klopp and you say, I've got a balanced team here, I've got people who are required to do things he's off the, the world. He's the best in the world. No, that's fine. That's fine. So he but, fits anywhere and you make him fit anywhere. Don't okay. you? I think so. I think when you when you've got no, a no, generational but you, you talent would, like a but what I'm saying is would Pep or Klopp Definitely. would they have that same that same attitude? Would Mbappe embrace it? Would Mbappe does Mbappe has City reached the point where Mbappe looks at people like Kevin De Bruyne or whatever and say, like, these guys are super talented number 10s, yeah. or even Holland when he came over, right? Yeah. And he sees their work rate off the ball. Yeah. And he says, you know, to you play for You don't really Pat- think like that as a player, though, Gab. You think, what can I add to this team? You, right. you, don't look at a, you, you don't look at a Man City and go, well, the work rate off the ball and the manager does this and the players press. and they do. These, these, these are things that, on, on the outside, can be a little bit superficial, where as a player... Mbappe's thinking, well, I can walk into Liverpool's team and the fans are going to adore me because I'm the best in the world. So you don't think he thinks about the manager and what the manager No, no, you think about the manager, of course. I mean, look at Jao Felix playing for Simeone. That was one of the worst moves I think I've ever seen in terms of relationship from a manager to an exciting player. That is never, ever fitted, in my opinion. So, of course, when the manager's selling you it, of course, you need to listen and find out what the grand plan is. But I think any manager in world football, if Mbappe's sitting in front of them, would take him in a heartbeat. They wouldn't even think twice. No one would think twice about taking. Right, but would Mbappe then think about it? Well, of course, it's on him. No, because we we we've seen this season, right? Messi, Neymar, Mbappe together. Yeah, you have three people who contribute nothing defensively, and that totally turned against Paris Saint Germain. But that was never going to work. The three of them. You can carry one. I think you can. I think at any level, even even at Champions League level, even at international level, I think you can afford with the right players behind an Mbappe or a Messi or a Neymar. You can always carry one. You can't carry three in the modern day. In the modern day game, it's impossible to carry three. That's why I never thought well, PSG would ever win the Champions League. Are you okay with Mbappe at 22 wanting to be carried? If, that, if, 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 this, if this is how talent. we're reading it, right? If we are reading it, and look, when he was a couple of years ago. He did work much harder off the ball, right? But is it okay with you as a professional saying, like, if these other people who are, you know, I don't want to say they're better or worse, but Holland is definitely in Mbappe's ballpark, right? Yeah. Nobody's going to dispute Not that, better. right? Yeah. Holland goes and buses, ba- and, and buses backside. Riyad Mahrez, lesser player, whatever, but also a skilled player, goes yeah. and buses backside. Jack Grealish at Villa, he certainly wasn't everyone, worth, You wasn't can name everyone in the world, everyone's a step below killing Mbappe. So they don't. So he doesn't have to, to to go and work off the ball. No, no, no. You'd want him to do a. Like, you'd want to do. You want. You'd want your players as a manager and as a as a as a teammate to do as much as you can. But at the same time, if you're playing with Kylian Mbappe, you'd say to him, "Don't go p- past the halfway line. We'll do all that for you." You think Pep would say that? In a roundabout way, yeah. Okay. In a roundabout way. See, I, think, I, I think he'd done that when he had his... I, I, I find this really interesting because... Do you remember, remember Messi closing down and walking back and being on the edge of his 18-year-old? When he was at Barcelona Barca? working for, 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 Pep? for Pep? Yeah, 100%. But all of the time? I no, mean, yeah, no, because you, you want him to be fresh and there's a player playing behind him. You're like, Killian, I'll, I'll do this for you. 
Yeah, no, that's not you, how Barca... You, you go and you, go that way. You can go back... And look, younger listeners, people who've only watched Messi, but it's one of the benefits, one of the few benefits of being old is I think Pep left Barcelona in 2013 or 2012, so we're talking many, many years ago, right? Yeah. Young Messi... Yeah. In that team. Yeah. Now, this was also a team that had 70% possession. And, see, and, and when they'd yeah. lose the ball, they'd all go and run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The six-second rule, all that stuff. He worked a ton. Yeah, yeah. He worked I'm an absolute he, ton off the ball. I'm not saying he didn't. But what I'm but saying But that's is, what I'm saying is you would... And I, said that, I mean, I think this is the conundrum, right? Would you expect Mbappe to do in a City team or even a Liverpool team? Because I can, t- I can refer to, 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 to Mo Salah. Yeah. Mo Salah, before he went, when he was at Roma, he was a phenomenal player. Yeah. He did not provide the work rate off no. the ball that he provided when he came to Liverpool. Incredible. All right? That, that, that I was think a change. He, I think he does that a little bit too much. All right. But uh, that, that, that's another issue. But the question is, would... He's unselfish. Would, would a Klopp or a Pep demand this of, of, of Mbappe? Would I Mbappe think- say, you know what? I can do this. I'm such a phenomenal athlete. I'm not well, playing with a then, bunch of mopes at the back. But so then that, if that's the conversation, then that's what you want to hear as a manager. Oh, 100%. And I, that's what I find interesting about it. I think Mbappe might feel like, look, this team's so good that, you know, I will work. I will work for my teammates yeah, because yeah. I know that they'll give me the ball back and I'll still score a ton of goals and I'll set up Holland and whatever. So Can you imagine the conversation very quickly between Andy Robertson right, or Akanji if they've got killing Mbappe? The two of them would turn around and go, don't you be coming back here. I will do all your yeah, work for you. I don't think you. so. This because is where we fundamentally no, because, disagree. Because I think you look at it like I think you look at it like with a different the, manager. Yeah, not with the managers that they have. I, I still think for a generational talent, right? Because I, not, I think he's the only generational talent in the world. I mean, there, there's there's others. I, I don't. It's it's a, it's a good conversation. Vinny Junior is a good example. Vinny Junior does a certain amount of work. But you never see him come all the way back. But Vinny, Vinny Junior is not working with Pep or Klopp. He's working with Ancelotti. With that kind of manager who's much more of a man-manager, less of a system guy, much more of a pragmatist. I think you're underestimating the conversation between right. a Pep, a Klopp, the players that are playing for Liverpool or Man City. I think you're underestimating how much players would give someone like Mbappe a little bit more freedom. I think the players might. But look at Manchester City. The players don't matter. It's all about the manager. The, the players are so much on the same page with the manager... Right. Yeah, but you can, can you imagine having that conversation with Pep if you sat okay. in there? You know right. what honest Pep is and say, do you want do you want Kylian Mbappe or do you want to have a really good team performance? That you know you're going to work back when you haven't got the ball. He go, come on, give me Kylian any day. Of the week. I'm not suggesting for a minute that Pep wouldn't want Kylian Mbappe. I'm saying that Pep would likely speak to Mbappe. Mbappe is an intelligent guy and yeah. say, this is how we do things here. This is how we do things at Barcelona. Do you think this is a good and fit then when, for you? And then when you ask that question, you see it in his eyes. His response. And you'd get a feeling very quickly. If, if well, precisely. But that's why he's saying, you know Pep, what? Pep would know if he's saying, yeah, I'll do all the defensive work. But, but no, of course. No, but, 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 but I'm saying that's, that's one of the interesting things to me. And that's why I think also Real Madrid are probably far more in the driving seat. The dynamic than, with them, though, is where does he play? Because he's always stated he never wants to play through the middle. You know, so unless, he, unless you're going to shove Vinny Jr. as a false nine, I'll shove him on the right-hand side and Rodrigo plays there because he wants to play on the left, Killian. But the, as I said before, the, the, the Benzema departure of Real Madrid has changed absolutely everything. I don't even think this conversation happens. If I, don't, I don't think it does, because if a year left, they knew that he was going. So they were always preparing no, no, for but, this but, moment. But, but if, Benzema was, if Benzema turned around last month and said, I'm staying at Real Madrid one more year, this conversation between Real Madrid and PSG, sorry, Real Madrid and Kylian Mbappe doesn't happen. Well, it's an interesting doesn't one. Even I mean... The Real Madrid, obviously, they both occupy the same space and have done so far. But in terms of the money as well, Benzema stays, Bellingham signed. You've got all the Camavingas and the Chuamenis and the Valverdes. They could say to they could say to Kylian Mbappe, "Do you know what? 
Okay. I've been burnt before. We'll leave you and we'll take you on a free next year. It's uh, it's possible if they trust. That's that's what they did before, and they got screwed over. Benzema right? changed everything, so now yeah. they need him. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Mbappe. Let's talk Nations League because uh, Spain and Italy kicking off in one semifinal mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple hours as we record this on a Thursday morning. Last night, Holland against Croatia. And Don, you know this because we were in touch before. And you were like, oh, the nation's... Yeah, exactly, I'm right? out. Can't be bothered. Instead, we saw a tremendous game. Um, <laughs> Croatia winning 4-2 in extra time. Probably could have been 5-2 with a goal disallowed at the mm. end. Uh, Holland with a, a last-ditch equalizer to take it into extra time. And the atmosphere, the fans, Amazing. the 15,000 Croatia fans there, most of them decked out with a little volley, with a little uh, water polo caps yeah. and their Czech shirts. Holland, brilliant uh, orange and I, I felt for the home fans because, you know, the Dutch like the summer party, but they were really, really poor. Yeah. I mean, well, Croatia. I mean, Luka Modric. Ran the show. Nobody's told him how old he is. Nobody tells him that. Nobody's told him has that, he, hey, you're he supposed to be on your way to Saudi. Has he left Real Madrid yet or not? June 30th, his contract right. expires. So, What a player. I mean, it, it, my perception when I watch Croatia, doesn't matter what tournament they're in, Nations League, Euros, World Cup, as soon as you get to play them in extra time it feels like you might as well just give up because they're unbelievably fit Brozovic doesn't give the ball away Kovacic doesn't give the ball away Modric seems to get better as his age at 37 playing in these competitions in extra time seems to get better fitter stronger and is undoubtedly class and you watch them you think they are some team they yeah. are so, and that was some game, by the way. I didn't moan before the game, going, oh, I'm football that gab, can't be bothered. And then I watched the game, and it was phenomenal. I, Croatia kind of understated in the first half. Holland took the lead. I thought deservedly so. Um, but then, after the break, in the second half, it was all Croatia. They went 2-1 yeah. up. And then you had that weird equalizer in the 96th minute. But tell me, how hard was it? for? Because it was a side foot from Nolan. Some skill. But that was some serious skill because it's so easy to, to overhit that or underhit that. Yeah, the best example was five minutes earlier when Gakpo had the chance and he panicked Gakpo and he went for a sort of really rushed quick finish and he slashed it and he pulled it wide left. That one was more of a cultured finish. In the last dying seconds of the game where all those bodies in front of you, your roller decks of finishes are, right, go for power, let me hit the target. It was a beautiful finish, just a little side foot in-step finish just under the crossbar. And then you think two, two extra time. There's going to be some game here. Now, 
at the end of the game, now, all right, partly, okay, Jules isn't here, so we're not going to go and crucify poor the Dutch Ronald, guy. <laughs> the Dutch guy. There you go. However, you've got six substitutions, right? Because the game's on the extra time. How he managed to make such a, he ended up with such a weird situation with the substitutions that Holland finished the game with a back three yeah. made of Terrell Malassia, who I know some fullbacks can play center back. Not him, not ever. That penalty he gave away, Ridiculous. like, it was all over the place. And then the other two were Frankie de Jong and I think Martin Darun, yeah. both of whom are midfielders, not yeah. defenders. And who's playing at center forward? Oh, Van Dijk. Virgil Van Dijk. And, and Veghorst. He's okay, but Veghorst at least theoretically plays yeah, center forward it, for a living. Yeah. Uh, he went he went all 1980s on us, didn't he? The Dutch guy. Two big fellas up front. But he launch thing, it. But he, I didn't think, at the back. He wasn't even launching it to the level. I thought if you're going to do that, then properly launch it. Instead, they tried to play through the Croatian midfield, I thought, that's, a lot in the extra time, which, like, how do you expect Van Dijk to ever get the ball? But that's where with Koeman, I think he, he tries so many different systems in one game. I think as a player, he would leave you massively confused. And he would say, <laughs> he would say, well, you need a football IQ, which I totally get from manager. And which he had as a player. Absolutely. But I think once you start going through so many different systems in a game, in the end, you're going, I don't know what I'm doing. We're just going to hit Van Dyke. We're just going to hit Veghorst. We'll try and do something. We'll get a knockdown. We'll try and play from there. Territorially, we might be able to go to the pitch. That's where, with Croatia, they're the opposite. I feel as though they never change their system. They never really change the ballers that they've got in midfield. They might go for, you know, a player that's fading in the last yeah. 10, 15 minutes, but they never go away from their pr principles. So, uh, just to close this out, on Van Dyke, uh, up and down this season, I thought he had... I thought his performance was really, really poor. Not just by his standards, but yeah. by anyone's standards. And I think he'll be the first one to be I think he needs a rocket, mate. He needs a what? He needs a rocket. He needs to be told. He needs to be told either from Ronald Koeman. You, you don't think he really... Because on, on the Pekovic ball goal, where it takes him like an hour to go and react and but close him down. I think he needs down. to be told. And the first one is what? Well, like, I think he's so casual. Because he is so good, he's so casual in his, in his performance. And I think probably as a, as a character as well, he's very casual and laid back. Sometimes I think those type of players need a rocket, and that either comes from Jurgen Klopp or your international manager to say, "Listen, you want a given in this team." That's where if Liverpool could buy another quality centre half, you can start to put pressure on Van Dijk and say, "You are not a given in this side." So therefore, uh, that level of player performance then has to go up. They have to respond. I think he's in his comfort zone. I'm a big Virgil Van Dijk fan, not just the player, but the man himself. But. Uh... This was not his standard at all. I know he's had his ups and downs. And for those who say, oh, but it's the Nations League, nobody cares. Well, that generally comes from people from countries that never win anything in an international level, i.e. England. Uh, I can assure you he cared about this one. And I assure you those Dutch yeah, fans cared. I agree. That, that Dutch yeah. team cared. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, enough Nations League. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. Jude Bellingham's transfer from Borussia Dortmund to Real Madrid is complete. Signed, sealed, delivered, Don. Done. It's about 110 million euros. Plus a bonus that could take it to 125 million. He doesn't even turn 20 Jeez. until the end of this month, which makes him the most expensive teenager in the world. What a player. What a player. What a signing. I mean, when you look at what Man City have done this season, you think they're going to be favourites for the lot. All of a sudden, Bellingham and maybe one or two others going in at Real Madrid, everyone's taking notice because that is some statement signing. That is a Real Madrid midfield with Chuameni and Camavinga and Valverde. Uh, top end of the pitch with Vinny Jr. That looks like a team to me that's going to be there for, I don't know, the next 10 years. It's some, yeah. some signing because he's some player, he's some athlete. He's got uh, a very good head on his shoulders. He's very calm. I think even when the worst happens at Real Madrid and the white handkerchief come out for some, I think he'll take it. I think he'll own it. And I think he's going to be well, an amazing player for him. I, I think also, I don't like to talk about intangibles, so I find it trite, but this guy's shown that he's a real leader. He's got quality and he has quality. Would you go as far as to say this is on a level, if not a little bit higher than when Beckham went there? I know Beckham comes with a lot of stuff off the pitch. No, this is bigger than Beckham. I mean, commercially, obviously, Beckham's bigger. Yeah. No, no, they, I, I, I think this is... Potentially, it's the biggest signing Same. since... I don't know, as far back as Ronaldo, the bit, somebody, but, but, you know, certainly since Kroos, yeah. but I think he can surpass Kroos yeah. uh, in terms of the contribution to the club. 100%. Uh, Gab, Italy take on Spain in the other Nations League semi-final, which kicks off in a few hours. Gab, how excited are you to see Zaniolo back on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, he played in the friendlies in November, but I missed the guy. I missed the guy. guy the guy, you know, he's got his, he, he had his injury, then he had his issues with, with Jose at Roma, and then he goes to Galatasaray, scored two great goals uh, in Galatasaray's final game of the season. He's still only 23 years old. I want to see what he can do. I want to see mm. him fit. And, you know, we've had so many talented young Italian players coming through. Did he sign permanently there? Was he on loan? No, I think they have a buyback, but right. as long as Jose is around, they're not gonna no. you're not gonna exercise that. Nicola Barella has been linked with a move to Newcastle with a reported offer of around sixty million oh. euros. Don, your two allegiances are oh. well chronicled, as well as your Serie A uh, allegiances. What do you reckon? What do I reckon? Um, I don't see it happening, but They've I would love it if no. it did. Huh? They've already said no, they, it's certainly just, not at that price. Well, no, not at 50 million quid. I mean, I would happily pay some part of his wages to try and get him in at Newcastle, <laughs> and whatever that is, tenner, 20 quid. Um, because, again, like Bellingham, different sort of player, but a guy that I think is an incredible player to watch. Energy, covers every blade of grass, good in the tackle, very aggressive. A little bit impulsive at times, in terms of yellows, close to reds. Um, but I like that in him, I like the character in him. If Newcastle got him, because I think that's, that's the wonder, being a Newcastle fan. What's going to happen next? With all this money behind Newcastle, how do they play it? Do they go in for the sort of Galactico signings? Do they try and play it a little bit slow? But I tell you what, if they manage to get Barella, James Madison and Bruno Gimaresh already there, I mean, you're talking some midfield, some midfield three there. That slightly is, lopsided midfield, isn't it? A little no, don't worry about that. They're not going to give no. the ball away. <laughs> all right. Okay, uh, but I tell you, if they got him, Gab, it would be some signing. Um, uh, so let's talk about Arsenal strikers, Gav. Recent rumours suggesting that Balogun won't be coming back, but they look to West, West London to bring in another forward. That's right, Kai Havertz, the best on no. earth. 70 million, apparently the asking price from Chelsea, which I think obviously they paid a little more for him with the bonuses and whatever I think would make sense. Does that fit? I think what it says to me is I don't want just a traditional center forward. I want a guy who can do more things. Um, 
It sounds like a lot of money. It's not where I would put my money if Me I neither. were Mikel Arteta. Um, this almost sounds like the kind of rumor that if you're Chelsea, you don't mind having no. out there just in case. Uh, but look, I mean, the, the time's going pretty pretty hefty on this that I there's mean, interest there. I mean, if, if Arsenal are announcing Declan Rice and maybe Moises Caicedo, then on the back of that, you go, oh, by the way, well, we Kai Havertz, you go, oh, that's some window. But to prioritise him first... Seems very bizarre to me. Arsenal aren't announcing anything other than Reese Nelson right now because none of that's done. But I can ask you about this, and if it's another one of your former clubs, Don, we all expect Declan Rice to leave uh, West Ham, yeah. despite the fact that they won the World Cup in 1966. <laughs> but what do you make of the fact that the strong distance thus far with Arsenal and his £90 million a reasonable fee? I think he is well worth the 90 and I'll use Enzo Fernandez at 115, for example. Okay. And I'll but, use Bellingham well, of course, of <laughs> to course. say why he's not. Well, but, of yeah. course, but I mean, transfer fees, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shelling out the money. I, I think if the, the job that he's done at West Ham, and I think lifting the, the conference trophy the other week against Fiorentina, I think proved... He didn't have one of his most amazing games, in, in truth. No, neither did West Ham. No, exactly. Got but the moment, they got it done. Um, but I see him, like you see Bellingham going into Real Madrid for the next 10 years. He goes into Arsenal, he's got a five, six-year deal. He's got no acclimatisation to do. He walks straight into their team. He makes them better. It allows maybe Arteta to move two or three pieces on by bringing Declan Rice in. So for 90 million, I would say you need to get that that, that player signed. As er, er, early reports are that, that West Ham are going to turn it down. They hope somebody else comes up and maybe offers them more money. I think this is going to rumble on. I think what Rice wants is also going to be a big part of the story. What is his choice in terms of preferred destination? Yeah. Um, but I, I think we all agree. Midfield is where Arsenal need to strengthen. Shaka gone, Jorginho Maybe older. Maybe Vieira not good enough. Party we're not sure. Vieira, whatever. Um, I'd loan him out, and I think he needs to, he's got a lot of growing to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much higher I would go than ninety million. Put it that way. No, oh, well. Uh, so Bayern are looking for a centre forward. Gab Eintracht Frankfurt's Randall Kolit Money is the answer. Is he the answer? Is he? Ah. Uh, not at those numbers that they're chucking out. I mean, Eintracht happily quoting like 100 million, 120 million. That's just a standard fee now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I mean, you know, 1900. Easy there, dude. I know you could have scored the winning goal in the World Cup final, and I obviously had a good season. Um, I'd also remind people that Tuchel won a Champions League with Kai Havertz as a center forward. So maybe he doesn't, he's not necessarily wed. To the center forward. Also, remind people that what happened the last time Tuchel said, Yeah, let's go and spend big money on a center forward. And he got Romelu Lukaku. Mm. So, obviously, it's a different situation. Kalmon is younger and so on. I think there's a price at which it makes sense. Yeah. But it's not the prices. I think they're going to have to work on this. And I'd also look at other options. I've heard of Lavic as a possible destination. Comes with a ton of baggage, but also very young. Uh, and also, I mean, his technical ability, is, mm. together with his side, is, yeah, yeah. is what makes people gets people excited, right? Mm. Match United have reportedly made an initial offer for Chelsea's Mason Mount of around £40 million, and it was rejected out of hand. Chelsea apparently want twice that, which sounds like a lot for a guy who's got well, to be off on his contract. Well, again, it's 80, 90, or 100. It's just, just a standard summer <laughs> fee, isn't it? I mean, I, you, you sit here and you try and figure out who's worth what. Mason Mount's not an 80 to 100 million pound player. Well, not with a year left on his contract. No, exactly. But he, even I think he, he improves Man United. But I'm still not sure what his best position is. I think he's an outstanding player. But I don't know where he excels. I think he's, he's good for a squad. I think he's good for an 11. But to try and take Man United closer to Man City, 
I could think of better players to buy than Mason Mount if it's going to be 80 million quid. If it's near 40 or 50, I think in today's market, that's pretty reasonable and seems a number that they could do. But Man United haven't got loads of money to shell out 80s and 100 million pounds on players. That's what they're that's what they're telling us. And obviously this position may be not as much of a priority given that for another year or two you've got Ericsson and Bruno. Mm. Um, but again, if I'm Mason Mount, I might take my chances and stick around, see if I can convince Pochettino. Otherwise, walk in the summer. Yeah, well, talking to Chelsea, the Inter Milan sporting director was in London to meet with them. What were they talking about, Gav? Yeah, Piero Osilio uh, had a meeting in London, very well chronicled. Um, they're talking about two things. They're talking about Romelu Lukaku, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Lukaku would like to stay. Um, he's open to coming back if Pochettino says, I really, really want you. Chelsea fans uh, have him back? Well, they don't get to the side, right? I mean, the Chelsea fans have accepted having a former Spurs guy as their manager. You can accept Lukaku as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's difficult to make the numbers work because Chelsea do need to bring money in. Other one, Koulibaly, also has offers from, from Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, interesting is there a margin there. But again, Inter want the kind of deal where they mm. take him on loan. Chelsea pays a big chunk of his wages. I mean, that would fit, right, if they lost... Milan Skriniar and you brought Koulibaly in potentially but equally if you're if, if you're Chelsea you need to balance the book somebody's got to give you money yeah, back yeah. you spent 600 million in the summer yeah Juventus uh, fixed her asking price for Weston McKinney after his unsuccessful loan spell at Leeds United it's 35 million does that seem fair to you Don? overpriced in my opinion I'm not a Weston McKinney fan don't know what he does. I think he runs around, he closes down, but he doesn't score goals, doesn't get assists. Not really a defensive player. Sometimes plays off the right, it's not his best position. Sometimes he plays central. I could think of better players to spend close to 40 million on. I don't know if you're a fan. It's a lot of money. I think Juve, you know, we all know, like Premier League, there's like a Premier League premium to transfer fees. And I think Juve are hoping that because he was in England, because people saw him, although maybe it's not <laughs> it's a good thing because he speaks English. You know, a $35 million is a price for a Premier League club. I think that drops to half if another club were to say, all right, we believe in this, we believe we can get you back. And into the player that, I think to be fair, he was for a short spell yeah. at Juve. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not the best time. No. Uh, so the Manchester United sales saga rumbles on, Gab. What's happening? Some funny business going on? Well, it was this weird thing with the, with the share price where on, on Monday after the, obviously Manchester United quoted in the New York Stock Exchange, where after the um, the markets closed, the the the, sh- the in after hours trading, the share price went from nineteen dollars eighty or whatever it was to close to twenty four dollars. So it was a twenty percent rise, and people couldn't figure out wait why. Um, and the Athletic did some really good reporting on this. They traced it back to a tweet from some account in Wales, which is apparently an account for illegal streaming. Um, which is like 300 followers. But that tweet was retweeted by this guy who is the editor of a Doha newspaper named al right. And supposedly this spread among investors and said, oh, look, if this guy in Doha is retweeting it, then it must be true. Um, both Sheikh Jassim's people went and you know they knocked this down. Um, both, uh, and then Rain did. Seems well. amateurish, doesn't it? It seems weird. It almost seems as if, you know, somebody's manipulating the share price maybe for a quick sale. I, I don't know. Might uh, bang out a quick quick tweet and see how far it goes. Yeah. <laughs> why, why don't you do that? <laughs> no, seriously. No, no. This is what you do, right? Buy some United shares. 
go on Twitter after the show, yeah. right? And say like, I've is heard. This le- is this legal? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard I rock solid like industry sources. Of, I want to distance myself away from what Gap's saying. Just the deal is know. done. Jasim is buying at, you know, five billion plus one billion additional. Just, just go ahead and see what happens. Well, if I get a billion, I might be in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no it's the same stuff same same as before as you were surgeon ratcliffe shake your seam the possibility of them um raising money borrowing money from one of aries um oak tree or elliot or them sitting on their backsides and doing nothing sorry united fans John, you're a big City Hour watcher. Everyone agrees Manchester United could use a center forward. But the suggestion is that, from some is that rather than pricey A-listers like Harry Kane or, or indeed Victor Seaman, they could opt for Atalanta's Danish starlet Rasmus Hoyland, who would cost no more than 50-odd million given that he's only 20 years old. Is he ready? Buy him. I love him. I love him. I think he's the, he's the closest thing you can try and clone to Erlen Haaland. Um, I've seen him enough times to to watch the way he plays. Uh, when he's got his back to goal, he's very, very accomplished at getting hold of the ball and laying off. Normally, that's the things you've got to improve on as a centre-forward. But he's incredible like Haaland at sometimes, which is a good thing, of ignoring the play and just getting your head down and sprinting in the box. Seems quite basic, but he's brilliant at it. Uh, I've sent, when I've worked on Atalanta games, I've sent one or two clips to one or two Premier League managers that I know. And I just think for that sort of money, I think if Man United bought him for whatever it is, 40 to 50 million quid, I think very quickly you could turn him into a 100 million pound player. I think he's that good. I mean, Victor Osiman and, and Harry Kane, Kane would guarantee you the goals. So if all three are standing right in front of you, you would probably go for Harry Kane because he'll guarantee you 30 goals a season, no problem. But they all have different prices, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm just, think, I'm just thinking right. money's no object. But I'm thinking if you're Man United who have not as it stands, one of the richest clubs in the world and not got loads of money to spend. I think the way Hoyland plays, I think would be a brilliant signer for Man United. I think he's so, so good. Could you make a case that United actually need two centre-forwards? And maybe you yeah. get one of these guys like Osimhen or Kane or the finished Don't article. they've got the money, have they? Well, I mean, you'd have to shift people or whatever. But given yeah. that, you know, Martial is like the new Darren Anderton in terms of being injured and given that... Rashford, maybe they cash in on Jaden Sancho. Maybe they think he's If not you can get money it. for Sancho. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking about because Hoyland is a really exciting talent. I think he's still a project. Um, yeah. I don't know that he's going to have the... He's not too back. rough, though. You know, normally when you buy a player, you, you have a rough diamond and you can polish him. But I, I'm, I'm also think... wondering whether actual center forward is his best position or whether it's an I've only seen or, him play there. Or, you know, um, I think... I think, the tru- I think the trouble is, I don't know if you might agree with this, is when you play for Gasparini and Atalanta... I think it's then hard. I think we've seen it a number of times when once you play in his system, which is so chaotic but in a brilliant way, some players then actually struggle to move on and find right. a new sort of way of playing because Gasparini is so sort of off the cuff. Do you agree on that? Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's something that, that, that's been said. I was thinking of you know former Atalanta players who've, who've moved on and it has generally been... Well, I think Frowler had the same sort of thing, didn't he, at Forest? Remo Froehler, definitely. Robin Gosens at Inter, definitely. Um, the guy, Castagne yeah. at uh, Leicester. So, yeah. you know, there are examples of this. Um, the thing about Hoyland is, obviously, they got him from, I think it was at uh, Graz in Austria. and then So he's somebody who's been, you know, people have been talking about him since he was 15, 16 years old, yeah. and not just because his name sounds vaguely like Holland. <laughs> uh, so Monchi continues to be strongly linked with a move to Aston Villa Gab. He's considered to be one of the greatest directors of football in the world. 
True? False? No, he's definitely, that's definitely his rep. I think his rep was probably a little bit better maybe like five years ago right. when obviously he built those great Sevilla teams and, yeah. you know, wheeled and dealed and, uh, you know, got Sevilla competitive all the time just while also turning a profit. If you were to talk to people at Roma, and I would advise, I'm not advising against Monchi. I mm. met Monchi, it's been an honor. He's obviously a big, big brain. I would advise the people at Aston Villa, not Christian Perslow, because he's no longer there, yeah. but maybe Nassif Sawiris and the other guy, to maybe pick up the phone and speak to your fellow billionaire, Jim Pallotta, mm. about what went wrong at Roma um, in the years that he was there, yeah. and why it went wrong, and then decide whether you still want him. And I've got to so, say, in a future life, I'm coming back as a sporting director. I mean, it's the easiest job in the world, isn't it? Scout players, look at the data, look at the analysis, sign them. If they're no good, nothing to do with me. If they come off, genius. All to do with you, though, because then you're out of a job if the owners don't yeah, like you. Which is, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying there's, there's a lot of acrimony, I think, at the end. Um, you know, some of the signings that he made didn't work out. Is it right? Is it wrong? I just want to get the full picture of it because... I even you could argue the last couple of years at Seville, not necessarily. I mean, obviously they just won the Europa League. I get that, but yeah. you know they also had three managers this season. Um, so I think there's a lot to look at. I certainly said five years ago you would have said this guy is the number one mm. in the world. Tremendous negotiator, tremendous eye for talent. Uh, he's had a tremendous group of um, of scouts who and really knowledgeable people work for him. Yeah. And unlike other sporting directors who you know, you build your rep as a recruitment guy working for somebody else, and then you might move on to a smaller team because you want to kind of have your own shop. Um, a lot of these guys have stayed loyal to Monchi over the years, which is also important. But I, I just look into it and see, like, what went wrong? Yeah. Can we put the blame, and do we want to do this? Just, just go in with your eyes wide open, and not just because, you know, Unai Emery tells you to. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yet another of your previous another clubs, Don. Tough one. times at Everton. There's the Premier League investigation to financial sustainability rules violations, the possibility of a lawsuit from other clubs who've been affected um, by if Everton are found guilty. Um, Carlo Ancelotti suing the club over unpaid bonuses. And now the chief executive, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, has resigned after receiving threats. Mm. Um, from what I read, she hadn't even been to a game since, since January, precisely because she didn't feel safe at... Good that's sad. That's very sad. And Graham Sharp, I think, has left his role as well. Yeah. Everton. I think. And he's a club legend as well. Yeah. Right? Which, which was another sad state. I mean, club legend. Um, I, I just think, I think it's just an all-time low. I think for Everton. I think. I, I mean, I nearly got re- relegated there in '98 when we stayed up in goal difference on the last day of the season. It nearly happened last year. We were two 0 down against Crystal Palace when Frank Lampard saved them. They won three two. And you think, right, that's it. It can't be in this scenario again. Then you fast forward 12 months and Sean Dyche has got to save them. On the last day of the season, it's just an incredibly sad situation that the whole club, the fans, find themselves in. And going into a new stadium, not this summer, but the summer after, I think Everton need a real season of stability. Don't worry about trying to get into top eight. It's not going to happen. Don't worry about going down, bottom four, bottom five. Twelfth, thirteenth, no drama. 
Just stay there. Do you, do you understand why they're so... I mean, are they angry at Moshiri? Are they angry at Bill Kenwright? I think Kenright? they're just angry at everyone. I mean, I, I tried to stick up for Bill Kenwright because I played under Bill Kenwright, but the fans know a lot more about their football club because they're seeing it and they're reading it and they're hearing it every single day. And they're not happy with Mashiri. So on the face of it, when I look at it, living down in London, I look at half a billion that he's put in, I think, well, he's actually done a good job. It's the people underneath him, the sporting directors, the managers that have let him down. So that's how my eye sees it. I understand the scenario with... As I said, different directors taking a lot of money out of the football club and not necessarily putting a lot of money into the club from their point of view. So I get it how the Everton fans are desperate for their club to have no drama. So that's where there's lots of anger, lots of frustration. And that's where you start to see some changes that are happening. They need to happen, by the way. I don't think Everton could roll in with the same guys and girls at the top end of the pitch, at the top end of the club, just going into a brand new season. We'll say, ah, let's just hope something changes. Something has to change because I, when I watch Everton, they feel like they're a cat with nine lives and every time they stay up, it's like one of their lives are going and it's going to be inevitable. If something doesn't change, they're going to get relegated. I, I, think, the, I think the really sad thing is, as an outsider, and look, I, I've read up on all this. I have my own views on Ken Wright and these people and even... Where I try to stick up with Bill Kenwright, and I know the Everton fans know a lot more about their club right. than I do being a former player, but my only angle on it is, is I've seen how Bill Kenwright speaks to players, and more importantly, how much he loves the club without having right. loads of money himself. That, no, that, no, no. That, that's my only little yeah, personal no, angle I mean, on it. No question. Job, I mean, job title and his role... I get you. And they're two different things. You can be a good person and maybe not be good at your job anymore, if or whatever. And that, yeah. people have different views on it. But I just want to reemphasize for people who say, like, well, why are you talking? You know, a whole bunch of different people, like, email the show and listen to the show. And a lot of people are like, well, why are you talking about Everton? Nobody cares. And you look at the history of, of Everton. Of course. You look at the, I know they're down now, but you look at the size of the fan base, you look at where they were. The this Holy is Trinity. not just a really great historic it's, it's English history. club. It's history. It's a historic football club with the Holy Trinity: Harvey Kendall, uh, sorry, uh, Howard Kendall, Colin Harvey, Alan Ball. You know, it, they've got the history, and it has a huge fan base. And, and there's definitely, there's definitely, I think, potential there, and, and that's why it's so significant and so much history. I mean, they, people, people don't know Everton are an older club than Liverpool, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? Just have no drama. Yeah. Just make sure you go into that new stadium with no drama. Jose Mourinho's on holiday. Did you just say no drama? Yeah. <laughs> on to Jose Mourinho. What, what's he doing? Has he been busy on holiday? Is he chilling? Is he making noises? What's he, what's he up to? It's just, all right. So, obviously, um, when we last saw the character known as Jose Mourinho, he, uh, you know, he told everybody that uh, it was obviously after, uh, after the end. Well, he was suspended for the last game of the season. He came out and he's, he's, he's complained about how Roma are still... Um, was it word to use? Unripe as a big club. Right. They still need to grow to match his mentality, right. a big club mentality. And <clears throat> he kind of has to do too many things out there. He's also complained in the past about they're not spending enough money. Um, so, and he was unhappy that his contract wasn't extended. He's got a year left on his deal. But, uh, and then he said, oh, I'm going on, I'm going on vacation. For me, vacation is sacred. Um, but one thing that he did was here in London at the Chelsea Harbour Hotel just down the road. He um, he met with representative from Al Ahly, who supposedly were offering him a mega deal. That told him that he's not joining them. He's going to stay at Roma and honor his contract. Um, glad he took the time to do that. Um, 
They signed Evan Indica from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. I don't good know if you've seen much yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, good, good centre-half. Strong, physical. Liverpool um, were linked, yeah. Centre-half. Um, the issue with Roma is they need to generate $30 million in capital gains before June 30th, before they can think of even spending a penny this summer. Um, strong suggestion, Spinazzola may be sacrificed to do that. How Mourinho is going to take that? Tammy's got an ACL. And they need a centre-forward, which is why they've been linked with Scamacca. So, But anyway, he's on holiday. Um, Still thinking of the money. I, it's it's such a we we've spoken about this endlessly. Personally, I'm glad he's going to come back. If he does come back, he says he's going to come back because any league is richer for having Mourinho around. Definitely. I think that's obvious. I, I, th- I thought it would be it would have been a very easy get out from Jose if he had went to PSG. He'd earn a lot of money. He yeah, but you need PSG failed. to offer you the job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know he was pushing it, but I don't know. It wouldn't have been a good fit for me. I'm glad he's staying at Roma. Don, I love it when players are honest and outspoken. Um, but Tony Kroos, did he go a little bit over the top when he said Eden Hazard, quote, let his career die Just at Real Madrid? Bit. Just a little <sighs> bit. Why would you stick that knife in? I, I think so Tony I don't know, I don't know Tony Gross can be really outspoken in like that kind of wide eyed German way. I don't know if so he was lost in organization, no, but I think he's just gone, that's a bit cruel. Wham. Seems cruel, isn't it? I mean, why would you not just ah oh, he's been unlucky, just trot out the normal line, <laughs> exactly. You know, you should have seen him in training, he tried hard to get back. No no. He allowed his career to die. Quite that's, brutal, isn't it? That's harsh. I I, I feel for he done with Eden back. So, Gab, who's this new guy, uh, and why did Barcelona sign him? No, no, what's his name? Say uh, it. Mikhaili Faye. Yeah, that's, that's not bad, okay. I, I think. Um, so, he's apparently this phenom. Uh, Where is he? Center back. He's a center back. He's from, uh, he's from Senegal, but he was playing, and these are the wonderful vagaries of the transfer market. Everybody's known who he is since he was 15. But somehow, and I would suspect there might be an agent or two involved, he played last year uh, for Kustosica. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct, which is a team in the Croatian second division. Uh, only made his debut in March. Um, Have you seen him? I just YouTube. Um, I seems like he seems like an 18 year old guy who's a very good athlete. Yeah. Um, playing against players who aren't very good because yeah. that's the, the level. Um, with Barcelona, obviously, they still need to. You know, dot some I's and cross some T's before they can actually make this official. But he has committed to them. I think this is a depth signing at the back if it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people need to realize that a lot of things with players, as you know, especially players from countries outside Europe or outside, you know, the big five or big ten leagues in Europe, often aren't straightforward and they often take different routes yeah. to getting to the top. But yeah. you know, Barcelona know their they know their players, and if they scout this guy young, you know, there, there's there's definitely something there. Riyad Mahrez is the latest big name to be linked with a move to Saudi Arabia with Al-Akhli showing an interest. He's 32, has a deal through 2025. If you were Chichi, Begiristein, and mm. Pat, you just say, eh, we're not going to give him a new deal because he's really going to be 34 at the end of this one. If we get a fee, let's let him go. We got mm. Bernardo Silva, we got Phil Foden. How long does Bernardo Silva stay around? He's always made noises that he might... Yeah, Phil work. Foden. Phil, Phil Foden. You might not have Gundogan. Cole Palmer. Okay. Are they good enough to take Man City to a treble Rico again? Lewis. I would keep him on. I think he's... I, I, or are you going to tell him, sorry, Riyad, we're not going to give you a new contract, and I know you have a chance to go to Saudi Arabia and make a ton of money. When's his contract up? 2025. Keep him for another year, then. Keep him another year. You, you're in no rush to sell. Un- unless you really feel as though... 
he's yeah but then he comes down and he says look I was on the bench I didn't play in the Champions well, League final playing the FA Cup final well, what do you want to do because Pep's the master at saying to Leroy Sane what do you want to do do you want to move on go on move on Raheem Sterling uh, do you want to move I, on I, I move think on. I think um, what's really interesting here is with all the Saudi talk I, mean, I think they have yet to pay an actual transfer fee right it's yeah. all been free agents if you're, if he wants to go, and that's that's the first discriminant. He goes to Pep and he says, "Hey, what are your plans for me next season?" Yeah. Um, I don't think Pep would view him as somebody who's irreplaceable, right? Because Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, none of these guys are irreplaceable. If you can get a fee for him and he's got in good money, and he wants to go, I think by all means, I think you let him go, and then you know deal with Bernardo Silva and Gundogan. If you have to go and spend money, it's not, it shouldn't be difficult for Manchester City no. to attract players, I, right? I, I think the and given his age profile. I think, I, think the, I think the luxury that Man City are in at the minute, and I, and I can't think of it happening at any other club around Europe at this present time, where Man City seem to be the club at the moment that are not going to get cherry-picked for their biggest stars. So all the players that leave Man City, whoever they are, is because Guardiola doesn't want them anymore. As I said, Leroy Sane, Raheem Sterling, okay. Jesus, Zinchenko. You can all move because I'll buy better players. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't know if he feels quite that way about Gundogan or Bernardo Silva. No, well, Gund- Gundogan you wouldn't because he turns into Zidane right. at this time of the year, doesn't he? Yeah. Because he's, he's, his football brain is, is high-level IQ. He's some player. So that sort of player you wouldn't want to lose. But if Gundogan says, well, I've just won the treble, I want to move on, I want to try Barca, I want to try something different, then obviously yeah, then you, you, know, replace him. You, you, you sort of find a way. Uh, the Premier League Gab uh, are considering a proposal to institute a spending cap. How would this work? So basically the idea is there's some parallels with the one in La Liga um, that you get a number and the benchmark is the lowest uh, TV income. So is is the number the the, the fee you pay or does that include wages as well? No, no, so so the the number, the starting point is how much TV revenue, uh, Premier League TV revenue does the lowest ranking team in the Premier League get. And so it's going to be like 100 uh, about 100 million, yeah. 100 million, 105 million. Um, multiply that by four, but you can debate the amount you multiply it by. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, your total transfer spend, uh, net transfer spend, agent fees, and wages for the upcoming year mm-hmm. can be no more than this amount. Right. So if we're in force now, it would be just over is, 400 is million. That, is that not just another financial fair play conundrum where yeah, you know, but, there'll but be a way around it? Whoop, but people don't seem to understand is clubs don't like losing money. And I cannot emphasize this enough for all their talk about billions this, billions that. Football's not a great business. No. Get into oil exploration. Yeah. People lose money in operating costs. You know, you, you, you got to get into a world of EBITDA and capital appreciation and blah, blah, blah. This is different. This is why, like, when people go and make their list of the Forbes list, oh, the enterprise value, like, it's all nonsense. I mean, it's not complete nonsense, but it's, you know, you can pay people to do a study on you, like your brand value study. I, fundamentally, owners of football clubs want to cut costs, yeah. right? They are yeah. management, and they want to contain costs while still winning. This is something that's that, that's been chucked out there. I think right now, if they do it based on this, it would be so high, because I think the highest wage bill in the Premier League last season was $370 million. So you're basically saying... Um, if this is your wage bill, mm-hmm. you know you can only spend, you can only do a net spend of thirty million in the summer. Um, would it hurt you? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, or do you need to cut your wage bill? There, there, there's there's ways around it, but mm-hmm. at some point they're going to have to curb costs. 
And I actually think, I said this before about your team, Newcastle, and mm. the Saudis, um, I don't think they're viewing this as like free money. I think they're trying to run it as a club, and I think they want to try to get a return on this, and part of that is containing costs. The Premier League released their opening day fixtures. Get today. in there. I care zero about this. Why? It's my least, because it's so stupid. It's People not. So hyped. It's six weeks away. You're in um, the minority, Gab. I've been relying for that every team will play every other team twice next season. You're in Home the minority, away, man. Come on, let's have some excitement. It's just <laughs> opening day fixtures. Who's playing who? Producer Freddie says some people find this interesting. So you must be excited to know that Manchester City opened their campaign against Burnley away on August 11th because Vincent Company playing his old club. Why are you so doom excited. and gloom on the fixtures? Liverpool play Chelsea opening day. Who cares? If on, they don't play more Liverpool day, don't fans play care. Chelsea fans care. Come I, on, you I, pay your money. You, 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 you work hard all season. You have a summer off and you go, right, who's my team playing? Match day one. Who is it? Why have yeah, you not got that love for it? Because I really don't care. I, I care about the NFL fixture list because they don't play. Well, there you go team. then. Well, but that's different because they don't play every other team home and away. And I think that actually matters. Who's, your, who's your team in Europe? Your you team in Europe? My team in Europe. Yeah. You're Italian or you're England? Who's your team? Who's your team? I don't really support a particular team. I'm more a fan of individuals. But no, I just I just yes. genuinely do not care about this. I think you are massively. I'm glad you're excited. So Liverpool play Chelsea at Anfield, is it? Uh, no, it's away because Liverpool are rebuilding one of the stands to the left-hand side. So they have requested that their first few games away from home. So Chelsea, so Chelsea are hosting Liverpool I at think Stamford so. Bridge? I believe so, yes. Is not On the, August 11th. You believe so, but we're not sure. Even though it's Well, because I was on the news. tubes... What? I was on the tube coming in and I'm reading all your, your, your hatred towards match day one fixtures. I'm Sunday, going, August 13th, you've been Chelsea told that in Europe. Liverpool. You've been told What's that, that? No, I'm a professional. I'm prepared for the show. <laughs> oh, Juan Cuadrado, one of my favourite Juve players. What did you call him? Juan Cuadrado. Oh, okay. I understood something else. Go ahead. Uh, one of my favourite Juve players. Uh, he's going to be leaving. No. He's 35 years old. He's wears it well. Wages. He wears thirty-five well. Like I think he's, I think he's been a really, really good servant to the club Definitely. over the years. Um, in some ways, underrated. I don't think he had a great season this past year. Man, who did most of it players right, didn't. Yeah. Um, they need to move on. They need to cut wages. And I think, you know, keeping a guy at thirty-five, not the right thing. You're also keeping Bonucci around for another year, and then he's going to have his retirement next summer. Um, Strange club at the minute, Juve, ain't they? Not, until, I mean, obviously off the off the off the fields, off the field, and that's that's a whole new story. But uh, you, you keep reading reports where normally inside a dressing room, if a manager has a go of a player, it's inside a dressing room. Allegri's criticised his players to the press. Bonucci and I think Chiesa have criticised the manager to the press. It all seems very unhealthy to me. I think it's also very honest, given what. They went through this season um, and I also think from a lady's perspective coming out and saying things like well if it wasn't for the points penalty we would have been third and and we reached the semi-finals of the Copa I'm just like just shut up just shut up like, like you're not I, I don't know who you're trying to who you're trying to mock who you're trying to impress it sounds like you're taking the mickey out of you the fans after what they've been through just be quiet head down the only reason you're still in a job is because you're too expensive to fire yeah. and that's a, find, That's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Well, find your mojo because you, you know, there's a good manager in there. You, 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 sh when you were forced to play the kids, eventually you shot the, the kids showed you that Definitely. they're actually good. Yeah. And go down that route. 
and say this is a transition next year we're going to build something and get out of your hole that way and I think that's how you have to approach it if you're if you're Max Allegri Real Madrid have confirmed that uh, Jude Bellingham going back to him is going to wear the number five shirt which of course was worn by Zidane and more importantly, I believe, by Manolo Sanchez uh, as well in the 1980s, by Fernando Hierro. Yeah. Uh, after that, see, I'm do you like, care about I'm, shirt numbers? No. You must, because you've got a big number four tattooed on your bicep. That is true. That is true. Very true. If you've not had a, you shouldn't have saw that, Gab. But I was like, I was like you on your match day one uh, fixtures. I'm pretty down on the shirt numbers. You don't care. Don't really this. do it for me. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I can do without traditional shirt numbers. I actually like the fact that you know. People have wacky shirt numbers now. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't... I mean, it's, it's marketing. That's all it is. So FIFA have announced that Vinny Jr. is going to be part of a special anti-racism committee. Yeah. Um, Johnny Infantino being in touch with him and his people. Obviously, Vinicius suffered uh, yeah, awful racist abuse. FIFA had an anti-racism committee, which then they... Which then they got rid of. And, again, this is the problem with FIFA's me- messaging, right? FIFA had an anti-racism committee... And then it was dismantled. And everybody said, ha ha, bad FIFA. Oh, look, you think you fixed racism uh, now so you get rid of it. Or they say, oh, you don't care about racism because you got rid of the anti-racism committee. FIFA's reasons for saying this is like, we don't think, and I think it's, I think it's a valid reason, mm. we don't think anti-racism and we don't think it requires a committee. We think every department within football should, this should be a priority for everybody. So we're not going to relegate it to committee. We're going to put it centrally throughout football. Bottom line, though, is it's not... FIFA can have 50 committees if they want on this. They're not the ones who are going to be tasked with dealing with the situation when Vinicius gets racially abused unless it happens at the World Cup or at the FIFA Club World Cup, right? So they don't have the jurisdiction over it. So it's great that they're talking about it. It's important that we continue talking about it. I think when you play for Real Madrid, they'll talk about it more anyway. I'm often concerned... I'm concerned for Vinicius, but I'm more concerned also about the guy nobody's ever heard of playing in the second division who gets racially abused yeah. and who's going to stick up for him, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is something that La Liga needs to deal with first and foremost because uh, this is where Vinicius plays right now. Mm. Um, it's something that needs to be done at league level. You can't have the passing of the buck to law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement, they have different things to do. Sure, if you break a law, and in some cases it is illegal to do this, then by all means get them involved. But first and foremost, I want to see action from the clubs. I've said this before, even against their own fans. Make examples of people, yeah. and from the Liga, have the right punishments. And and enough of this shouting, shut it all down, walk out, you know, like come up with real things that can really improve things. And to do that, you have to know the situation. You have to understand the situation and you have to ask yourself what works and what does not work. But it's not something that's going to be fixed mm-hmm. at FIFA level because it's they, they look after 211 nations. Like they're, they're not responsible for this, nor should they be. Nor, nor would I want FIFA to be responsible for this. Pep Guardiola has decided to give the £750,000 bonus he earned for leading Manchester City to the Premier League title to club staff, including receptionists, security guards, you know, the little people. Right, presumably not Erling Holland. Um, nice gesture, right? What a gesture. Isn't it amazing? You know, he, he, he goes in there, he's a multimillionaire anyway, they've just won the treble, he's had an outstanding season, why not give back to the, play, the players, the people that really matter inside of a football club? And what, what a day for them in terms of watching their team, players, manager, 
and the staff around them watch them win a treble and all that hard work and all of a sudden in your salary boom pay rise yeah, I, think I mean, it's amazing. Great gesture. It's a bonus, too. And then you got other bonuses. And, you know, I think people will, like, people are going to say, oh, well, it's uh, six or 7% of his annual salary, and he can probably write it off. Yeah, taxes. they're just the haters. Forget about but, them. But you know what? Maybe it is, but he did it. Absolutely. And others didn't. Exactly. And, you know, while Manchester City have an enormous number of people on their books, at the, they, it's a hugely, hugely staff club. Forget um, the haters. Just give them a lot of love for doing it. Yeah, they, they, this is also going to make a difference to some of these people because I don't, I don't know how much a security guard in Manchester City right. uh, is going to make. So, so well done him. Absolutely. Uh, so, Gab, there'll be no blackout of the Women's World Cup in Germany, England, Spain, Italy and France after the broadcasters reached a deal with FIFA. You had strong views on this before. Yeah, and I still do. Um, I'm really glad that uh, they, they, there was such a level of hypocrisy in this, right? Um, and I'm really glad that, that FIFA held out. I'm not in a position to judge whether, you know, what the actual market value was. But for those who missed out on this, people talk about uh, equality, equal play at the World Cup for men and women and blah, blah, blah. FIFA, you have to give more money, more money. But then when they went and they tried to sell the rights, which is how FIFA makes all the money for the Women's World Cup, they got paltry offers back from broadcasters. And broadcasters are saying, well, but we're public service broadcasters. We're not commercial enterprises. And, and look, and then the World Cup is, is taking place in Australia, so the time zones aren't favorable and blah, blah, blah. My point is precisely because you're public service broadcasters. If you believe, mm. and if it's a priority for your country, that the women's game should get exposure and should be on television, yeah. then you need to go and ante up. And equally for, for, for the, the people campaigning for equal prize money, where do you think that money comes from? Mm. It comes from broadcasting. Yeah. And I would have liked, I would have gone further, I would have liked to see the governments getting involved as well. Because I know that there's a separation and these are often license supported and whatever. Equally, if it's a priority for a country that there should be you know, equal opportunities, because this is about opportunity, then they could have kicked in some money. Anyway, it's done. I'm glad these games are going to be in television in Europe. It would have seemed grotesque if they hadn't been done. That brings us to an end. Amazing. Thank you so much Loved for uh, uh, filling, uh, I was going to say Jules's big boots, but he probably has little tiny, hairy chest. tiny feet. I seen his chest the other day. That wasn't a good sign. Really hairier than yours. Very hairy. All right, there you go. Maybe, maybe we'll see them both with their shirt off next time. Uh, anyway, we're going to be back on Monday. We'll have a Nations League final, and I'm sure some transfer updates as well. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash gab. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 